Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about what I believe is the best way to do outreach and network within your niche. This is just purely my opinion and I'll riff on the idea for a little while. And then I'm going to tell some stories. I recently traveled back up with my wife and Georgie to Bozeman, Montana, where we lived for about four years. It was our first time back in a couple years. So I'll tell you some of the things we did out there. People enjoyed a specific email that I sent out a few weeks back. And at the time that you're going to hear this episode, when it's released, it's probably a month or more. I'm, I'm recording ahead these days. But anyway, the point is I put in an email what some of the music is that I listen to. And I got a lot of responses back. So it was interesting to hear what other people listen to. And thanks everyone who replied back, by the way. So I'll tell you some of the the things that I'm listening to in the last couple of days here. And it's a little more respectable than some of the other things that I was listening to before. And the other thing is I, I went to the dentist today. There's, there's just going to be random stories today. I'll let you know. I will get to the meat early though, and then I'll ramble later. But I went to the dentist today and saw a new hygienist, a couple little things around that. And then I went to the grocery store afterwards. And and don't worry, it's not just completely mundane. These are slightly entertaining, (laughs) slightly entertaining stories. And one thing to note is I do have a beer here with me. This is a new Belgium honey orange triple. I really like uh, New Belgium in general, just up the street here in uh, Fort Collins. It's not super close. It's about 45 minutes away. And this honey orange has uh, a little bit more character than the regular triple, which I I like them both very much. But whenever I head over to the Safeway, I'll often pick up this honey orange version. Now, I I came down the stairs earlier, so I'm going to pop this open. And the thing is, it might be a little bit warm, so I'm going to be... Uh, I'm going to pour this quickly, but great beer. So cheers. If you're able to drink at the same time, if not, then, okay. It's not foaming. That's good. Sometimes these, uh, Belgian beers, these triples will be more carbonated. So if you let them warm up, they can foam up a bit, but it's a good, it's the afternoon, by the way, I'm not recording this in the morning. It's about four something like that. So before I get into the meat of everything, I do want to roll the ad. This episode is sponsored by Otis Global. So let's hear about the featured domain for this week. This is brought to you by Otis Global. They are your source, my source, our source, for age domains with strong branding and powerful backlinks. The featured domain for today is motorbikeeurope.com. And this one is checking in at least the time I'm looking at it at under $1,500. So this specific site was a passion project from a biker, a motorcyclist. We'll just call this person a biker. And they documented their biking tours around Europe. As you can imagine, the the domain. I, I like this name. It's very clear what the site was about. So the biking, the motor biking tours around Europe, and they reviewed routes. And basically, it's like a travel 
kind of site. So if this happens to be something that you're into in general already, this is kind of a, a perfect passion project and site to build upon. It would be like if I had a site on homebrewing beer, for example, something I'm into and I would just love creating content for it, taking pictures and just talking about it. This site was created back in 2010, 11 years old at this point in time. The domain rating is currently 20 as reported by Hrefs. It was as high as 34. So a little bit of a drop off, but not as dramatic as we've seen some of the other domains that we've talked about. The domain authority is currently 29 and it's very brandable, of course, with both uh, motorbike and Europe in the domain name. So I would probably treat this as a, a travel site and in general monetization would be through ads because that would pull in what I believe, you know, the most amount of traffic you potentially would have a little bit of an issue recreating some of the uh, content, but I think that that could be doable. You also could strategically redirect some of these specific URLs if you had a site already in the travel niche and maybe you wanted to add a silo about motor bike tours in Europe. So the other thing that you can do is probably refer people to services and other outfits. It could be uh, like a hostel or a hotel or a place to stay. It could also be places that you might want to eat or visit and just do other side tours and excursions. So I think there's a lot of flexibility in that. And it's kind of an interesting time to you know cover travel. But I will say when I'm took a look at over at the uh, Wayback Machine at the webarchive.org, it looks uh, fairly decent for a site of this age. I mean, it's not super modern looking, but overall, I don't think it looks super old. That is kind of surprising. Some of the sites that are even just a couple years old, they look, they look like they're uh, 80 years old something like that. So let's hit some of the other metrics really quick here. There are 165 referring domains as reported by Hrefs. 105 of those are do follow. And it actually has some pretty amazing links like many of the sites over at Otis have. So we have wheretraveler.com, theenglishroom.biz, svmc.se, and danehostel.d. Okay. So maybe not the household <laughs> names of domains, but there are some big, pretty awesome links showing up to this site. So I appreciate Otis sponsoring this and you can head over to Otis. You uh, apply to get a login here and you can get $100 into your account if you join using my affiliate link. If you do make a purchase, I would get a commission, which I greatly appreciate. And I'll leave it at that for today. So check out motorbike.europe or motorbikeeurope.com if you are interested in uh, that specific niche. And thanks again to Otis. And thanks to Otis. The they help bring this show to you so you don't have to pay for it other than uh, listening. You can, of course, go check out their stuff. I really do appreciate it. If you let them know that you appreciate the sponsorship, I used appreciate several times in that sentence unnecessarily, I think. Okay, let's get to the point today. I have a specific 
realization over the past several weeks after thinking about how to do outreach and, and talking with some other folks and, and seeing how outreach is done in some you know different industries and, and cold emails and that sort of thing. And as someone who has owned several you know, fa- fairly large sites. I've sold some. I have some sites right now that are sort of up and coming and I get outreach emails even for some of these newer sites. And it's interesting is um, this particular site I'm thinking of is starting to get a little bit more traction in the last six months or so. And there's a steady stream of more outreach emails coming my way. And I, I think it's really poorly done most of the time. I unfortunately get way too many, so I won't complain about that anymore. But basically what I think you should do, and this is for outreach in general, this is networking, this is like sort of establishing yourself in an industry as well, is to compliment people in your email, don't ask for anything, and try to feature them in some capacity. And when I say them, it could be someone else's blog. It could be a podcaster, a YouTuber. It could be a company. It could be an individual at the company and so on. But most of the emails that I get, they straight up ask for something. And while from a copywriting perspective and just thinking about being assertive, it is good sometimes to ask for what you want. Don't beat around the bush and don't be too passive. Be assertive and ask for what you want. It makes sense in so many scenarios. The problem is when marketers get involved, they will abuse things. And we, and we are marketers. I'm speaking as a marketer. And, and you will abuse things that work well. It's how you scale things, right? It's one of the ideas when you run ads, you figure out what works, it may take a little while and some capital to invest in ads. And then you figure out many things that don't work. And then you'll figure out a handful of things that do work. And that's when you scale it. That's when you ramp it up, you push it hard, you dump money into your ads until it stops being effective. And then you scale it back. Cause at some point there's diminishing returns and, and you break whatever you found. It probably still works at some level, but at some point, if you're running ads, you'll start hitting too far outside of your core audience, and then you won't be able to convert in the same way. The point is, people like us will often automate emails. You'll do some sort of mail merge. There's very large companies that have applications that you can set up to send automated emails and send these reminders over and over again, and just scrape emails, dump more emails, send more emails, and asking for something at that scale is um, its a little problematic. And it might work some. You might be able to get some links, and I know it wouldn't be done if it wasn't working to some extent. But you're not going to build a like good relationship in general, especially if it's someone that could be a good partner in the future. And quick little example, and I won't use the specific name of the person or anything, but there's a person, someone I would say is a friend of mine, and I've known this person for years. I recently got an email from 
this person or a company that he or she hired. And basically it said, hey, we're really important in this industry. We would love to work and collaborate with you. We want to be on your YouTube channel. We want to be on your podcast. We want to work together. And here's what I work on. I'm like, what the fuck, man? I, I know I know who you are. Like we're friends. You you literally can ping me on Skype and like my phone will buzz, right? Like we're that casual. And somehow they they goofed up their automation or they goofed up something or they didn't double check the list, right? Hey, before you ask to pitch or sorry, before you pitch to be on a specific show, check if you've been on the fucking show before, right? How it, it just shows me that they're not detail oriented. They're not checking things and it's kind of sloppy. And I mean, this has happened more than once too. So maybe that's why it's a little sensitive for me, but it's just, it's sloppy. The The person could have just said, Hey, I'm, I'm working on a new thing. Would love to be on your show. What's going on, right? Like we've established the relationship, but I'm going off on a little tangent with that one. But but basically, if you have a website, if you have an email address that's out there, you're probably getting pitches all the time and people are just asking for stuff. Well, guess what? Those are being sent out all over the place. So you can stand out and actually build a relationship with someone by featuring them. If you have a podcast, you can ask them if they want to be interviewed. You can promote their whatever they want. If they have a course, if they have a blog, if they have a podcast, you can promote whatever they want. And you're just going in, you actually get to know someone pretty well and you have that relationship. Why is that important? Well, they might be able to introduce you to other people. They might just be friendly, right? They might be cool. You may be friends with them in the future. And then another uh, great thing is there may there might be some sort of relationship in place where you can work together in the future. It might not be obvious. It might not be for several years. And you may not meet that person face-to-face for a long time, right? You might never meet the person face-to-face, but maybe you go to a conference in a couple years, you're able to spend more time together, chat, and something comes out of it. And it may not even be then. It could be a couple years after that. And I've had this happen multiple times. And as you work in an industry, you just build up more and more relationships. And if you're cool about it and you're not someone who kind of elicits the reaction that I had before where I'm like, oh man, they hired some crappy outreach company or even worse, it's someone within their team. And, and they're just not checking. They're, they're not looking back. They're just pitching and they're not paying attention to what they're doing. And yeah, I mean, you can take a shotgun type approach and with the volume, it might work okay, but most likely you're not going to get those very key relationships. You're not going to meet people. You're not going to build trust in the same way. And I have, I I test this occasionally. I did get um, an outreach email earlier this year. And I thought it was a good match topic-wise. I didn't know the people and I could tell that it was actually a, it was a podcast placement company. So they were emailing people, sending the pitch over, but it was a good match. So I thought, hey, I'll talk to them. I'll see how it goes. And it was okay, but 
I'm probably not going to work with them in the future. It, it didn't go that great. And I could tell that they were just promoting the thing that they wanted to promote. It, it didn't, it didn't resonate enough. It wasn't as good as I thought it could be. And, you know, part of it could have been me, you know, part of it could have been the way that I was, um, I was thinking, Hey, I'm going to test this out and see how it goes. Even though typically I'm not, I'm not going to go for any sort of pitch from a podcast placement company or a YouTube, you know, marketing company that's just trying to get people out there to promote their whatever, whatever it is they're trying to promote. So I, I firmly believe if you want to build those long-term relationships and, and maybe you have a site that you don't care about as much and maybe you don't want to build personal relationships. But if you are thinking, hey, I'm going to work in this industry for a while. I do want to meet people. I want to be able to approach them at a conference face-to-face and not be embarrassed because the first contact that we had was uh, poor. Or even worse, if it's someone that, that you know and maybe, well, my specific example probably isn't isn't super great since I actually know the person and I would probably bust their balls on the way that they they hired a outreach company or some people that weren't checking things properly. So if you want to play the long game, then this sort of slow, methodical outreach is a very good way to do it. One of the reasons why I thought of it is when I was up in Bozeman, I talked to Christy. And she has been doing that since the beginning of her blog. It's coming up on three years of uh, age. Her blog is about three years old at this point. And from the very beginning, she was reaching out to bigger bloggers, bigger YouTubers, some podcasters as well, and other people that were influential in different social media areas, wherever they may be, right? It doesn't even matter the platform, but she was featuring them specifically. And sure, not every single one of those relationships blew up into something else. But over time, and she didn't just do it one time and say, here's the top 10 influencers that I follow. She did it multiple times. So through that, she built more relationships and at least people knew who she was. And at this point, brands are reaching out to her because they follow her because the brands follow the big influential people and they see that occasionally they these influencers will share Christie's blog and their features and some other stuff. I mean, it's just one of those things that's not going to happen overnight, but as you are planting these seeds of uh, you know, the relationship and they grow over time and you end up I'm going to go deep with this um, plant and seed analogy. Some of those plants will grow. And some of those plants will drop some seeds and, and those other seeds will grow and it will go on and on. So now people that Christy has never contacted before are contacting her. I think the seed and plant analogy falls apart, but we are thinking about that. We had a sunflower grow in our backyard this, this year. It fell down from the uh, bird feeder and then it grew up really nice, uh, large sunflower. It's funny. I think it's, um, it was only about two feet high, but some of the other sunflowers that our neighbors have grown, they, they go from like eight to 12 feet high. It's crazy how big these sunflowers are out here. So anyway, 
if you want to do some some slow outreach, some very effective outreach, contact people, don't ask for anything, feature them in some capacity, promote their stuff, be friendly, and basically you're doing things for them. And over time, that will probably pay off better than a shotgun approach, especially if you really want to establish yourself in that specific niche or industry or whatever. It takes time to build those relationships and taking the slow approach is the best route, in my opinion. If you disagree, please shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. Or if you have examples of that working or not working, you know, I, I think this is probably a not, not necessarily controversial kind of approach. Because, I mean, the thing is, if we think about it, sure, if you if you take your time and you're nice and you're doing things for other people, usually that pays off in, in some capacity in the future. But it's slower. And I know some people are in a hurry. If you can do things differently than other people and not be in a hurry, perhaps that will help you stand out. And that's a good thing. Okay. Yeah, shoot me an email if you have any thoughts on that. I am going to start talking about Bozeman now. So I'm going to have a sip of beer and I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Bozeman Brewing Company. I really enjoyed their beers. I actually stayed with one of the, the brewers, a good friend of ours. He had some extra space and I drank a lot of Bozeman Brewing beers over the week. It is a, it's a place to check out. I would say it's probably, it's probably one of my favorite breweries in general. And then in Bozeman, I, that's the only one I went to. I didn't go to any other breweries in Bozeman. So one thing is Bozeman has been growing quite a lot in the last two and a half years since we moved away. We really liked Bozeman a lot. My wife got a job offer down in Boulder. So we ended up moving to Colorado. Boulder's very expensive. So we ended up here in Longmont, which ended up being you know a great thing. I, I know a lot of cool people now and have very good friends here in Longmont. So Bozeman was fantastic. The thing is, the sort of small town feel has gone away a bit. There are a lot more developments. The housing is quite expensive. It was moving up since we got there in 2015. And I'm sure if we look back historically, it was probably going up since you know 2008, 2009, when the housing market dropped, it's probably just been skyrocketing since then. A lot of people have moved to Bozeman that have either like remote jobs or they're buying like second vacation homes or something like that. And the housing cost, it's gone up dramatically. I have several friends, well, not several. I have probably two to three friends that couldn't afford to live there anymore. So whatever job they had, whenever their lease came up, they weren't able to afford the new higher rent. And so buying a home there is very difficult. There's not a huge supply. So it's it was interesting to go up there. And one of my favorite things was being able to take our dog out for a walk. And our old dog, Brody, he was with us uh, for a few years up there in Bozeman for about three. And 
then of course Georgie, who I think she's upstairs right now, but uh, Georgie was with us uh, for a couple years before we moved away. And there was a park called Rose Park. There was a disc golf course there and it was very close to where we live. So I would walk over there and it was a huge like plot of land. I'm not sure how many acres it, it was. I'm not good at estimating, but if I had to guess, it was 60, something like that. I mean, it was several football fields worth of space. There was a, a creek in one spot, disc golf in some area and just sort of wild grasses and natural uh, ground covering out there. So I'd, I would be able to take our dog out there, let the you know, let Georgie off the leash, let her run around. She would chase magpies and ravens and have a good old time out there. Of course, there's uh, ground squirrels or some people will call them uh, groundhogs. And, but they're, they're, I think they are technically ground squirrels. If we want to, any, any uh, zoologist out there, let me know. But basically these are little, little uh, ground squirrels that have holes and there's thousands of them. <laughs> There's thousands of them out there. So she would enjoy chasing them around and stuff like that. Great park. And the thing is, there are now two very large apartment complexes, not just buildings, but complexes with, I'm not sure, hundreds of units each. And they are on either side of this park. So the park is still intact, but there was a lot of space that was just undeveloped. This was something like a quarter mile from the house. So there's just a lot more development going on. And that's just one little example. There are other houses, other apartment buildings going up. So I hear the traffic's, you know, pretty bad. And in the little bit of driving that I did in Bozeman, yes, it has gotten worse. It is not anywhere close to the level of, you know, a bigger city. But the thing is, Bozeman is not a huge city. So it's not really laid out for a larger volume of traffic. Now, I'm not sure how it's going to play out in the future. Well, no, no one is, no one's sure, but it was interesting to see that. And I think it's the kind of growth that people wouldn't notice if it took place over say eight years or something like that. It's a, it's a great town. People talk about Bozeman and, and Montana in general, and people have been moving there. It has been growing. And I think if it was more gradual, people wouldn't have noticed as much. It wouldn't be as abrupt and sort of disruptive. But since it happened in two years, you, I mean, you feel it, you notice it really quickly and you don't have as much time to get used to it. That's my sort of, that's my little theory on it, but I... I'm interested to see how it'll play out in, in the future. And going back, I did, I, I was, I, I missed the place. I mean, I, I really did like Bozeman a lot. And one, one of the great things is it's a little bit closer to the mountains than we are here in Longmont and, and just looking towards the uh, front range of the Rockies and the flat irons down in Boulder. In Bozeman, you have the Bridger mountain range just a, a few miles away. It's, it's very close. So just visually in the mornings or any time of day, it is uh, you know a little bit more appealing just in general. Now, one thing that wasn't great is the smoke. There was uh, quite a bit of smoke. And I think that's something that 
maybe you can't get away from. It just depends on which way the wind is blowing. So it was fairly clear in Longmont when we left. It was smoky up north. I think once we got to probably Casper or Sheridan, Wyoming, something like that. And it started getting a lot more smoky. We got some rain like one day before we left in Bozeman. So it cleared out the sky a little bit and it looked a lot nicer by the time we left. And I think it cooled off quite a bit. So Bozeman is pretty cool. I recommend people check it out if you have uh, a chance to and uh, don't move there. <laughs> it's a little expensive and everyone will be like, why, why are you moving here driving up these home prices? Except for the people that already own the houses, right? They're like, yes, buy more stuff, drive the prices up even more. So anyway, Bozeman's cool, really dig it. One place I did go to is a music shop called Music Villa. And I I was in there fairly often and I, I never did buy a guitar there, but I did buy a banjo for my wife. And I was in there often enough poking around. I'm trying to think how often I went. I, I maybe went every month or six weeks or something like that just to go in and peek my head in the acoustic room. But I kind of watched a little bit of their YouTube channel before I moved away, but but not a ton. And then after I moved, I started watching YouTube a little bit more. And then I started watching the Music Villa demos for, I, I think it was, I think they basically do acoustic guitars and, and nothing else. So I, I was watching a lot more of their videos and I, I knew that they renovated the shop right after we left. And I think they finished it up in 2020 during the pandemic time period and all that stuff. When things were a lot more shut down, they were just working inside, finishing off that showroom. Super cool in there. Everyone's really nice and it looked amazing. So we, I, I set aside a little, little time and, and went in. One really cool thing that made me feel kind of nice is the owner, Paul of Music Villa, he actually remembered me and I only spoke to him a handful of times and, you know, he, he couldn't remember my name, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect him to, but I talked to him a handful of times before, but he remembered that I was in there and I bought some stuff. And if you are, you know, in the market for, especially acoustic guitar. So one thing that I, I noticed as soon as I walked in is their showroom was full. Their guitars were in stock and you can, buy, you know, lower end, cheaper guitars or high end guitars or whatever. But I've been going to a few music shops locally here, uh, one called Wildwood Guitars down in Louisville. And there's a place called uh, Guitars, etc. in Longmont. And I think that uh, Wildwood has, you know, a pretty good set of stock. Um, they did tell me if they try to order something now from like Gibson or Martin or Taylor, it'll take, you know, two years before they'll get that in. And talking to Paul, we chatted for a few minutes in there and Paul mentioned that they started realizing what was happening during the early part of the pandemic. So they started ordering more guitars and they started ordering like a lot more guitars and, and not just like one quarter ahead. They were planning ahead for a much longer period, like the next full year, for example. So that's why when I walked in, 
they were stocked up. They were getting guitars generally as they normally should. Now, a little deeper, um, some of these companies like Martin or Gibson or, or whoever, they weren't able to continue to produce the same number of guitars as they were in the past because some of their employee, like, I guess it wasn't considered an essential business. So some of those manufacturing facilities had to stop. So it's, uh, it's kind of interesting how it all played out and just talking to Paul, understanding the supply chain and the fact that they were like, Oh, we better order a lot more guitars. Now, another advantage, you know, for Wildwood and Music Villa they are some of the premier dealers for those acoustic guitars that I mentioned before and the other brands too. So Fender, Gibson, um, Martin for the acoustics, Taylor, a handful of others. I, I, I don't know all the guitar company names, but they are big dealers. So they're able to actually like get, get the supply and maybe they have a little bit of a higher priority um in, in some in some ways but like i said paul started ordering a little bit sooner okay so other thing i was going to mention speaking of guitars and music i basically consume most of my music over on youtube um on there all the time anyway so i'll often listen to acoustic covers of sort of rock songs spanning from like classic rock to like 80s pop rock kind of stuff, 90s alternative rock, or even, you know, more modern stuff. Recently, though, I've been listening to Weedus. Remember that Teenage Dirtbag song in the late 90s? So I think a cover popped up of that song, and then I went back to some of the originals and just Weedus playing it in a more recent time frame. Solid song. I was in my, you know, formative late college year. So I remember when that song came out. Another band, which is, I think, perhaps more respectable and people will, I'm thinking you guys are going to shoot me and gals will shoot me an email and say, yeah, I dig The Cure. So I've been listening to The Cure. I think some of their more modern concerts, I often like to listen to live versions and the band playing live just in general. So uh, some of these popped up and it was uh, just like heaven pictures of you and the cure is they held up pretty good. I have to say, I forget the, um, I forget the lead seeker's name. Is it Robert Smith? Is that right? His voice held up pretty good. I mean, I think they, were pretty popular in the 80s, late 80s, early 80s, not 100% sure. But some of these recent concerts that he's doing, his voice sounds exactly the same. He took care of himself, um, or his voice anyway. He still has, if, if people know the band, you know, they wear, or at least the lead singer has a pretty, I would say, wild hair a little bit. And wears like pretty red lipstick. And I think he put some, some like white paleness, kind of gothy or emo-ish. But anyway, solid band, fucking awesome. Check out some of their live concerts and I think you'll enjoy it as well. And, and those couple songs that I mentioned, there's a, there's obviously a couple other more popular ones, but those were the ones that I'm listening to and I'm really digging them. And Finally, this is one uh, that 
popped up again. She does a lot of covers, but it's Phoebe Bridgers. I think it's Bridgers. I wrote it down, but I'm not sure if there's an S on the end. She was on SNL not too long ago. And the thing is, she she does a lot of covers. She's in several different bands. And I, I was like, oh, this, this lady's awesome. I really, I think she's like in her 20s or so, singer, songwriter type. And the covers are fantastic. Definitely puts her own spin on those, which is good, right? It's hard to recreate or impossible to recreate the original. So you may as well put your own spin on it, which she does a really good job. I can't think of any of the covers specifically that, uh, oh, Teenage Dirtbag. She did one on Teenage Dirtbag. Maybe that's how it got back in my lineup. Or maybe that's how she got into the suggested videos. Man, those people at YouTube, the algorithm is nuts. Okay, I think I'm gonna start wrapping it up here. And I went to the dentist today. Everything was fine, no cavities. I got uh, my x-rays done. It was a new hygienist though. And she was great. She, she seemed very nice. And the thing is, the previous hygienist, I didn't know it was going to be a new one, by the way. She just said, hey, Doug, come on in. We're doing this. I'm like, I don't know you. What's your name? What, what's going on? Where, where's my old hygienist? So she was a new new person there. And the old hygienist, and let me backtrack. My teeth are pretty good. I've only had one cavity uh, back during my braces years in high school. So just one cavity. I floss every day. And I'm, I'm actually curious how many people floss every day. How often do you floss? I think this could be some interesting, interesting data. But I, I brush every day, <laughs> a few times a day, two once in the morning, once in the evening, I floss every single evening and I, I use the proper technique and all that stuff. Anyway, the, the point is my teeth are pretty good. They're in pretty good shape and I, I, I do take care of them. I, I don't neglect them. And the previous hygienist found like one spot and she would always make the gums bleed in that one spot. It is very rare, right? I Like that's rare for, for me anyway. So if my gums are bleeding when I get out of the, or during the, the visit there, I should have warned people. I'll get graphic here, but yeah. So if there's any kind of blood, I'm like, Oh, what the fuck? This is crazy. Like this shouldn't happen. This, this doesn't happen. But every time I went in, she would like get back to that same spot and say, Oh yeah, there's, there's some problem here. We got to figure this out and keep digging. She never found it. Everything seems fine. Anyway, new hygienist, Kara, I think was her name. So Kara, um, she was doing her thing. And I actually told her, I was like, I think there's probably notes on this, but there's this one spot that's sensitive. So if you hit that spot, um, you know, it potentially will bleed more, blah, blah, blah. And uh, anyway, everything was fine. She didn't she didn't harp on that spot. And I, I have realized in, in moving back and forth, when you go to a new hygienist, it's like a mission for them. They want to find something to like fix on you, something that they need to work on for you. And the old, the old hygienist, she seemed really nice, but she just kept poking at that one spot and really got to me. So luckily, uh, Kara didn't find anything. She was uh, perfectly lovely, didn't hurt me in any way. She did, she was using some different techniques, uh, maybe a, a different instrument. I, I'm not quite sure, but 
Dentist offices are, are great these days. There's like a TV mounted on the ceiling. They're playing Netflix if you want it. I said, no, I just want to enjoy the pain here as we're going through this. But everything was fine. And hopefully, uh, hopefully she didn't like neglect it and think, hey, uh, I don't want to make this guy bleed there. He seems frail or something like that. And then I also thought, how do they interview hygienists? It's like, do they have the, does the dentist have the hygienist clean their teeth to see how good of a job they can do? Or do they test the hygienist on like a live patient that's like paying money and everything? I don't know. I have no idea. If anyone works in the dental industry can shed light on that, please email me feedback at doug.show and we could solve this problem together. I guess I could ask the dentist. They always come in there afterwards and I think that'd be a pretty simple thing. How do you hire? How do you hire these people? Do you have them poke in your mouth or someone else's? I don't know how it works. Okay. And finally, after I left the dentist, it's uh, right by the grocery store. So I hopped over to the Safeway, was grabbing a few things. It's uh, during COVID day. So I, I put on a mask and walked in there doing my stuff. I saw a guy in jeans, no shirt. No shirt, but he had a mask on. I took a double take. I was like, what the fuck? Well, he's wearing a mask, so I can't complain about that. It definitely got my attention. As far as I know, no one said anything to him. He was just doing his thing. I saw him in other parts of the store as well later on. So I'm pretty sure no one gave a shit. No one said anything to him. And then, I mean, when I first saw him, he was also in the back of the store. So he he walked through and passed many employees. He was back by the, by the butcher, um, butcher counter and like the, the fishmonger table and all that stuff over there. So definitely got my attention. He seemed to be a nice guy. Um, I didn't talk to him. I thought about asking like, Hey, can I take a picture? You look funny because you have a mask on, but you're not wearing a shirt. It was a warm day today, but in the grocery store, it's usually well air conditioned. And like I said, he was near the butcher area and the the big uh, sort of cases with all the meat and stuff like that. So it's a little bit cooler there just from the the cool air uh, wafting off of the, the meat and everything. So th- yeah, there's no grand conclusion on that. That was just a weird thing that I saw today. And I was like, man, it's a, this is a good store. I like this store. Um, and, and by the way, None of the places uh, paid me that, that I mentioned, Music Villa, uh, Safeway, uh, the dentist's office, um, Wildwood Guitars, not sponsored, only Otis. So thanks to Otis. And I think that's it for today. Don't forget, I asked several questions. I do want to hear from you. Feedback at Doug.show. And if you, uh, if you send a good email, I'll probably share it in a future episode. So we'll catch you next time. And uh, cheers. All right. Thanks a lot for joining me on The Doug Show. I really do appreciate you taking the time. If you're not subscribed, please consider subscribing. I have a ton of other episodes out there covering lots of different topics. Sometimes I just tell stories. If you are a longtime listener, I appreciate you too. If you haven't left a review, that is awesome. 
because now you have an opportunity to leave a review and that would be totally cool and I would really appreciate it. If you're looking to get started with affiliate marketing or making money online or anything like that, you should go over to nichesiteproject.com. That is my blog. Once you're over there, you just click the green button, enter your name and email address, and then I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff. I'll send you templates, some motivational emails, and I think there's probably just some random emails that I send out there also. So we'll catch you next time on The Doug Show. Thanks.